That thing had nine lives. She just spent them all. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Him. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Well, I'm looking for Extraction Jacks. I'm talking about Greg Peppis on the board. SB Futures down a whole 75 cents. NSA Futures up 29.50. So we've got a little bit of a spread there. Do we have Professor Luke, sports professor, human resources professor? Military professor, any other professor? Yeah, why, why do you keep calling me a professor unless it's, do, am I, am I, do I think it's okay to, uh, have I ever expressed an opinion that it's okay to engage in uh, systematic ethnic cleansing of Jewish people from the eastern side of the Mediterranean? Um, or I guess that makes me a college president. Lou, that's I, only that's MIT okay. and uh, It's only a few other places. It's only a couple <laughs> places. What a, what a disaster. Which you know, one, I'm not keeping up on these college professors talking because one of them sounds dumber than the next. Which one are you talking well, about? This was this was a this was a congressional hearing uh, two days ago involving the presidents, as uh, Greg just said, of MIT, Penn, and Harvard, who were I called. Listen, before, I listened to the Harvard lady. I didn't listen to the other two. Oh, she was. They were. They were all uh, so. Okay, this this goes back to um, how you how you handle interviews and how you handle interrogations and and you know these people are not they work in this little bubble of of communists and I'm, I'm just coming to speak very frankly here I'm just gonna let my my nasty political biases show this is what happens when you work in a bubble of communist anti-american intersectional uh, personalities which which is what I perceive these these faculties and and academic leadership roles are, are, are worlds are like um, they're not used to having somebody ask them some tough questions, and they're not smart enough. And I can't believe they weren't better prepared, but they're not smart enough to to deal with the uh, inconsistencies and the clear discrimination that that their their universities engaged in um, over the over the last few few years. So the the three presidents are up there, and they're being asked being talk to about anti-semitism at at the universities and these these displays of anti-semitism and i i'm one of these guys that believes that the um you know i'm not anti-semitic or i'm not anti-jewish 
I'm anti-Zionist or I'm anti-Israeli I, I, or anti-Israel I believe that that is theoretically a position that someone could hold in their heads the same as, it's the same as being pro-Palestinian anti-Hamas well no it's, sort of, it's, sort it's of. not, it's not I, I, what I'm saying is it's, it's theoretically possible to hold that position but in the real world it never, it never holds up in the real world. Well, thank, thank you for telling me that, because I'm sort of there. I'm very pro-Jewish. I'm not pro-everything Netanyahu decides to do. Where does no, that put me? No, and that's, and that's, but that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about individual political decisions that are, that are made in Israel. I'm talking about the existence of the state of Israel, the uh, acknowledgement that Israel um, is, is a legitimate country, um, these kinds of things. The, the, the people who who say, "Look, I'm anti-Zionist, but I'm not anti-Jew." This this all breaks down, sure it does. falls apart when you start getting to specific cases. Well, I, so, like I say, I'm, I'm pro-Israel. I'm not pro one more settlement. Well, well, okay, and and I, I that that's not a problem because that has nothing to do with with a religious basis. Oh no, no, because because that's a that's an individual. Uh, political decision. Hey, if it wasn't was for the Judeo-Christian world, the world would look a lot different. Yeah, within within the Israeli within the Israeli polity. Yeah, that's not that's not what an anti-Zionist is, and that's not what an anti you know the anti-Israel factions are. And and so to provide you know, some context, I, I, they, they, it was, anyway, they, it was sorry, calling Greg. calling uh, whether calling for the genocide of Jews constitutes bullying and harassment. Right, and they they kept dancing around the question. Yeah, so, instead so of just is, saying, you know, you so, probably so, shouldn't call for the genocide that, of people. No, you should no. just just they, they were so badly prepared. So they they should have had some prep for this or inkling for this, because on Sunday on a talk show, the uh, Washington State Congresswoman, uh, some I think she's Pac she's she's Central Asian, Pakistani or or Indian, uh, Jayapal. Um, gets interviewed by by uh, a CNN uh, correspondent and and this woman Dana Bash and this woman is Bash is trying to get representative Jayapal to basically come out and say rape the, the the allegations of rape and sexual assault by Hamas are horrific inexcusable and and you know, there is no there there was no that's, what, that's what Netanyahu was talking about yesterday Right, and this, and this representative could not shut her mouth. After this is a horrific, inexcusable incident. There was always, I mean, and she did it like three times. Bash would ask her a question. I want to talk about rape, and and she said, well, you know, we can talk about rape, and it's horrific, and and, and all that, but you know, you have to look at it in the context in which it occurred, and and. Bash comes back and says, "But never, we're not." She said, "You know, the, the Israeli soldiers are committing war crimes too." And Bash, Bash said, "I don't, I don't see Israeli soldiers raping anybody, okay? But, but we have video of of Hamas raping people, and we have lots of lots of evidence of it. Can you, can you just? Well, say, does anybody think that the Hamas people are good people? Oh yeah, lots of people do. Okay. That's part. That's part of this." Well, may, who knows? There might be some people there that actually. That, Chief, this is part of what's going on on these campuses. Is is that people are equating Hamas 
to a moral actor because because and this is this is the intersectional analysis that I started talking about like six years ago when it first started rearing its head out of college campuses in American in American uh, business settings as a justification for so-called diversity programs but but yes there are people doing this so this woman this woman just says over and over again yeah it's terrible but and 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 I'm just I saw the interview and I, I just thought lady shut up yeah. after it's terrible did any of these people it. ever take any media training well that's so this comes to my second point so this happens on Sunday these people the uh, the presidents uh, MIT Penn and Harvard presidents are testifying on Tuesday surely I thought somebody's going to get to them and say look you cannot you cannot do this and and here are the here are the the double standards that you have tolerated because at these at these places if for example you were to uh and, and Penn Penn is famous for the infamous water buffalo case back in the back in like the early 90s um some if you were to get up and say for example that um you know women I don't, I don't know such so some some moderately politically incorrect statement about women something like um you know the, the reason the reason that women's earnings are are three quarters of of men's is because women don't work as hard as men or some something like that um you, you'd be you'd be canceled on the campus there would be call you, your classes would be canceled harvard harvard basically forced out although she ultimately resigned because the work environment was so unpleasant Harvard forced out a female researcher who said, uh, you know, sex is binary and, and, you know, women, women stand on their own as a separate sex. And this whole gender identity thing has got, has got some questionable basis behind it. They forced her out. They, they forced out or tried to force out a professor because he had the temerity to sign an amicus brief at the U.S. Supreme Court that that supported traditional marriage when the when the uh, how can these places that are case? supposedly oh, wait a minute let me let me finish this the, the Grossinger case was was being decided back in you know, was it was 2016 so so they reached back like seven years to try to to try to fire this guy so they do that they have this incredible overreaction on these kinds of issues. But they allow people walking around, basically saying, "From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free," which is a Hamas slogan in support of its its objective to basically eliminate Israel and the presence of any Jews on the on the eastern side of the Mediterranean. And and they people shouting to Jewish students, "Go back to Berlin. Go back to Moscow." Um, they tolerated all this stuff. They tolerated physical intimidation at Harvard. At the the, the uh, kid who was the uh, senior editor or the editor of the Harvard Law Review was identified physically intimidating and threatening uh, some Jewish kid walking across with a, with a mob, obviously, some Jewish kid walking across the commons there in, in the Harvard yard. That They tolerate this stuff, but they won't tolerate even the, the, the most... Uh, anodyne expression of hey, or conservative thought basically, or, or even moderate thought with respect to to you know any of these other issues, and so they these these women and it was all women were totally unprepared to to address 
They don't. I don't think they think they by, a challenge by these congressmen. I don't think they say, think they can be challenged by anybody. Well, well, and that's what I mean. They operate in this little bubble, where where nobody says you know ninety was it ninety two percent something like that of the faculty at these at the, these three universities identify as either progressive or very progressive. Um, maybe maybe one percent identify. Well, that, as that's all they. And they only hire people like themselves. How does that get? That's pl- exactly right. How does people? How does a place get diversified? I mean, I, I was don't in know, school, but, not, but see, this is why. Don't get me started on the diversity thing because I, I mean, diversified in the way I define it. I mean, you're supposed no, to have people of different points they, of view. That, that that's the issue, Chief. They don't define it that way. But but anyway, just to go back to what I was saying, the the and, and my my ill-tempered remarks earlier about oh, I could I could be a major college president if I. You know, I said something like this. They were totally unprepared for this, and that's... that's well, that's the part I don't get. That's, that's the part, the I, don't part I don't get. Somebody should have sat down with them and said, look, we did X. And and the, the problem was they were evasive. And, Greg, did you watch it? Did you see any of the excerpts? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was, they were they it was were over evasive. and over again. They said the, context yeah. is important. <laughs> they were evasive. But they were evasive in an obviously evasive way, number one. And number two, they were evasive in a way that just made them look worse and worse and worse. And just so, just so we understand the stakes here, the, the, a guy named Bill Ackman, who is a Jewish billionaire, head of some giant capital group. Um, and, I, I, I can leave that guy alone. Well... Let me just, yeah. but, but you know, whether you leave, whether you like him or hate him personally, let me tell you what he's doing. So he he is a multi multi million dollar contributor to the to the Harvard endowment. And what he did is, when this all came out, initially he said, "You people are, I mean, you you why are these episodes happening in our campus?" And I'm I'm encouraging all of my billionaire buddies to send in their endowment donations and make it a dollar. And and then and then as when when the Harvard people proved to be a little bit tone deaf on that, he said, I'm gonna call for I want the president to resign. Uh, her name is Gay, I think, which is interesting. But uh, you know, I want I want President Gay to resign. And and we're not gonna fix this until she does. And and then he writes her he writes her two letters. The first one is an open letter. He, he ultimately publishes it, saying what's going on in your campus. The second one, which came out four or five days ago, was a was also an open letter, basically because she did not respond to the first one. And and I'm you know one of the things that you ought to be smart enough to do when you're the president of a university and you've got some guy who's not only contributing fifty million dollars you you know to your to your endowment, but who's leading the charge of a bunch of other people who are going to be contributing multi-million dollars to the endowment. You pay attention to these people, even if you don't like what they're saying. You give them an audience. So she she shut him down. She didn't respond. So he writes a very detailed letter. And he had he'd been out uh, interviewing, talking to faculty members and talking to students and just saying, tell me what it's like at Harvard now. And he got an earful. So he starts putting all these anecdotes in this letter and he sends it to her and then she doesn't respond. So he makes it an open letter. And it's a it's a playbook, Chief. And he, he made it an open letter, obviously, saying and, he, and said, you might want to think about how you respond to these questions 
at your upcoming hearing, which basically was an invitation for somebody at Congress to look at look at all these stories and say, okay, well here's our here's the script for how we're gonna we're gonna question this this person. They she ignored it. She she had this thing in her hands and just blew it off. It it was it was astounding. And and irrespective of what, you know, whether we can argue the, the politics to, to say that, you know, that all three of these people fell back on, well, you know, we're a free speech place, and that means we tolerate speech that we personally find abhorrent. Yeah, but they don't. That's, that's they the don't. point. That's, that's exact, the point. That's, that's the point. And that's what, that's what uh, Elise Stefanik and a couple of the other congressional reps did. Well, then that was one of them. And then they got to something that you, Chief, would, would love. One of them, one of them goes to, uh, I can't remember who the, the congressman was, who said to the Harvard rep, or it may have been the MIT, the MIT president, how much money do you get from Gutter? And and she said, oh, I'm not, I'm not real sure. And the congressman goes, isn't it true that you get $531 million from the government of Gutter? Why, why would they and, give Harvard money? And she's, is that, that a serious question? I mean, to that extent. I mean, do they, they send Is that kids? a serious question? Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly, I, that, that you, stuns me. Mr. Mr. I buy, you can I, buy I get, anybody I, and anything. I get it. But what, what am I, I'm saying, if, if, if Greg, tomorrow. Hold on. Greg, or, Greg. Right, I'm, it's a lot. I, I get it. Okay. Without disparaging my lack of knowledge, which I'll do that to myself. No, no, a, no but I'm saying, I can't, I can't imagine. See. Well, the thing is, you're, you're, you're taking me down a mental. Stop! 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 You're taking me down a mental road that I, you know, there's a lot of times that even though I'm pretty smart in some areas, I can't imagine if you drop four billion dollars on my doorstep tomorrow, I would have my own charities and I would do something. There's a lot of stuff I want to do. The thought of giving Harvard five hundred million dollars would cross my mind. Why would I? Just, just, just hold that thought, okay? So, so she goes. She goes. I don't really know what the number is, and and he goes, "When you, somebody gives you five hundred and thirty-one million dollars, she goes, well, I don't know if that's the number here.'" And he holds a piece of paper and he goes, "These are your federal filings. You're required to disclose this under federal law. We've thrown people in jail from from Harvard and a couple of other places, uh, prosecuted them criminally for not for fudging these numbers from from China." This is your federal filing, so I'm going to assume that unless you're telling me these, this is a false document and your people have made a false official statement, uh, I'm going to assume that this number is correct. Now you know, as the good attorney you are, if somebody, if I was in that spot and somebody were to say, you received a million four hundred seventy-five thousand, blah blah <laughs> blah, exactly but I would, right. I would say, because I don't know the exact number, I'm okay in saying I do not recall. Well. But even that's not credible. I, oh, I know that. I'm saying, but people because, do that all the time. Because because the answer, the answer should have been, um, you know, that sounds close. I don't know the exact number, but I think it's yes. In that but point. that's what I would. That no, my point. Was, so why? I ask, I ask again. Is, right, is, so, so let's go back. But does Cutter give, give them? Did they give them a hundred students a year, oh, or what do they because, do? Because because all right. So now you get that huge amount of, of, of money from Gutter. And you look around and say, you know what? I think it's time we establish a pro-Islam Islamic Studies department. All right, so it's not. To, they must have kids there. They must have. That that's another reason that you put that money in there. You get you get a lot of very you know pro. Now 
this act that at least I can justify from again an intellectual and academic. All right, can I, can I, I want to ask a procedural question because that's just what I do economically. A, a bunch of people, from what I understand, a real bunch of people, traditionally have gone from China to the University of Illinois to the point where it's difficult to get in some of the majors. I, I've heard again, I'm, this is not gospel. So if China sends 400 people to University of Illinois, make it a thousand, just be goofy. And it's hundred thousand a year, which it isn't. Uh, does China? Does somebody send one check, or does each individual person act like they're paying their own tuition? In other words, how how, how do they do that? When, when, when you say the money, I don't know, but that's not that's not what Gutter is doing. That's not what they're doing. Gutter, okay, what Gutter is doing is making a donation to the university. Now we don't know what strings those donations come with, but let me tell you what the result is you suddenly have a center for Islamic studies that is very pro-Islamic, very pro-Palestinian, very anti-Jewish. That gets established on the campus and nobody, you know, nobody in the administration says boo. You suddenly find that you've got a lot more Arab students on the campus who who are also anti-Israel, anti-Jew, anti-American. Uh, well, there's got to be a lot of Jewish money that's going to Harvard too over the years. Yeah, well, and that's what and that's what Bill Ackman that but but you know that was that was a given, chief. They got So this is this is a real this is a real thing and that this that's what I said this is right up your alley. I, I I shouldn't have to I shouldn't be explaining this to you. You should be explaining this to me. They gave the these people Ackman and his and his American Jewish billionaire buddies were pumping a lot of money into that school because, and, and again, it, it that opens a lot of doors for you and favors. But but they weren't getting; they didn't have kids there. They weren't they weren't getting that. They were they were pumping it into the school, much like the same reason I give money to the Air Force Academy. I believe you know I believe in the mission. I believe in the importance of it, and and I want I want that school to to. To be a special place. I know a lot okay. of people give Notre Dame money. I don't know of anybody who who tried to make a uh, anti-Catholic group in the place or something like well, that. But, I mean, me, I, but 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 let me let me tell you that the this is what this is what was happening and this is what has happened. So suddenly, Hamas conducts a monstrous attack against Israel, and Israel, as as Hamas wanted, Israel responds. They come in, and then they're they're operating according to the laws of war. But it doesn't matter because now on your campus you have a faculty department that has been raising hell for you know ten years, basically polluting the environment. They've surrounded themselves with graduate students who are are, are feeling the same way they are, and they've and they've been working on a student body that has a significant number of sympathizers within it, and suddenly. It's suddenly no longer safe to be wearing a yarmulke walking across the campus at Harvard Yard. That's, that's crazy. You're going to get accosted by a mob who are going to scream in your face that you're engaged in genocide. That you you had you had Jewish students hiding at Cooper at Cooper University, a very well-established New York university, high, who were locked into a library by staff members who were afraid they were about to be uh, attacked yeah, by a boy, mob boy, outside. This, I can't this, even. I can't get over these. These well, are not isolated instances. Well, we gotta, is, we got to go to break it, right? I, uh, I I've been hearing bits and pieces of this, and I I don't know. Maybe I just 
thought it couldn't possibly be as bad as it as it appeared to be. But it, I didn't do, I didn't have to go with any of this. I mean, Notre Dame actually was, even though it was Catholic, was was very diverse. I mean, Father Hesburgh, that's what he wanted to do. Was, and uh, well, Notre Dame, I think, is probably one of the few schools where it might be safe to hold a pro-life demonstration without. Well, but the it, fact that it's nowhere attacked. near to, it's nowhere near the same as when Hesburgh was alive. Remember when they, the year before me, people did the they struck for Vietnam. Yeah, and Hesburgh said, <clears throat> "Okay, you can strike and you can still graduate, but I better have a real serious paper here from every one of you, talking about the history of this war and why it's wrong and why we're making the wrong stuff. You better do some research and let me know. And it, you don't just walk out there and drink." Well, well so in, in any event, I, this this kind of activity boiling over on these campuses has resulted in some very pointed discussions within a very you know, a very wealthy and very well-connected Jewish community in the United States that considered itself for decades to be, you know, the bastion of progressive leadership. And and I'm, I don't think it's going to cause these people to vote in another way, but it is certainly causing them to... Well, let's go to break and let's pick up on this, because now you're bringing up all kinds of questions, which you do every week. As if you, plus, I got, I got a sports question for you, too, we got to talk about. As well, if we gotta, up, I want to talk about the Jaguars. Okay. And, and how somebody stole $22 million from them. Oh, God. SP Futures up one, NASDAQ Futures up 35. I got to talk to you about the Florida State situation because I was with a bunch of people last night and I'm, I'm really stunned where public opinions I'm, I'm, I'm being lost in the lurch. I'm in the wake of all this stuff. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Hello, everyone. Barry Sags and Jacks. <clears throat> I'm Tom Howie's Rick Peppis on the board. SP Futures up a whole 50 cents. NASDAQ Futures up 31. Rally has paused here. I don't know if it's a, a pause just getting a little, little momentum or what it's doing here, but it seems like it's a, all of a sudden we've had three really inside days, uh, maybe almost four, but that's that's what we're doing. Over in Europe, we've got the same thing here. DAX down 27. They were up a bunch yesterday. FTSE up one. Call that flat. Kakaron down four. So they call that flat. So it's the... Uh, not, uh, well, it says here follow global trend lower, but it's not really lower. Asia, now these guys have been lower. An EK down 587, it's 1.6%. They're going to, they're giving up all of them, all their gains of last week and this week, although they were at a high two days ago. So, uh, Hang Seng down 117, 16,345. That's not a high at all. They're still down, that's probably the low for the year. Shanghai down two bucks, doesn't seem like much, but they're 2966, they're below 3,000, which they haven't been in a real long time. Yesterday, the Dow was down 70, uh, S&P is down 17, NASDAQ down 83, so down, but not huge, just, you know, it's a, not a, not a 0.5 on 0.4%, we've been up more than that the last couple of weeks. 10-year, up 3 basis points, 4.15, the Bund down 2 basis points, 2.19, Japan up 10 basis points to 0.75, that's a big move for those guys. Uh, oil is uh, up 43 cents, 69.81, under 70 bucks. For all the people calling for 100, 120-hour oil, be interesting to see if, uh, how people rearrange their portfolios for next year, which is a lot of what we're doing this last couple of weeks. A uh, brand up 50 cents. I'm not saying we're buying oil. I'm just saying we're rearranging portfolios. Brand up 50 cents, 74.83. Natural gas down six cents, 250. We've got gold is up uh, 20 cents. Gold rises on weaker dollar. It's up 20 cents. 2048 is kind of stuck in the middle here of uh, 2050. Tried to get over 2100. Got slapped back down. Silver down a penny, 24.21. Copper up two cents. 375. We got along some copper thinking um, it was going to go up. It hasn't yet. I'm hoping the word there is yet. Uh, crypto down 742, but still 43,200 uh, is to keep going about ETF. ETF is more more people can borrow money to buy it, the better it is. Is it worth anything? It's yeah. the American way. American way. Uh, U.S. dollar, I'm going to say unchanged against both. So there you go. Regular Air Force Traffic Weather Sports. Morning, everyone. 636 here in Chicago. 37 degrees right now. 57 or 51 today, mostly sunny. Phoenix, 53 right now. 75 today, mostly sunny there also. Traffic inbound Kennedy from Montrose is 18 minutes. Inbound Edens Lake Cook, 39 minutes. From Wolf to the Interchange is 23 minutes. Dan Ryan from 95th to the Interchange, 18 minutes. And the Stevenson from I-294 to the ride is 24 minutes. NBA, we got the Bulls beating the Hornets at home. And the NFL, the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, said he will not stress about circumstances that are out of his control, referring to the number one pick potentially landing in Chicago. He said, I mean, life isn't fair. I'm just focused on what I can control, and the rest is in God's hands. If, if they draft that guy from the USC, they're out of their minds. Uh, it's in God's hands. Yes. God, God is in McCaskey. Also, also <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd hope that he's benevolent God, but sometimes... sometimes Not so winning, much. Yeah, sometimes winning just doesn't happen. Um, anyways, tonight, Thursday, is the Patriots at Steelers, and the Steelers are favored by six. The Patriots pretty bad. Over-under is like 30 and a half. So I got Chief back That's to you. That's got to be the lowest over-under in history. <laughs> It's like a Big Ten football game. Yeah, no kidding. So Lou, uh, I, um, I, I kind of, I don't, you know, I don't follow this stuff as much as probably I should, but I'm still stunned by the COVID study 
that that Boeing and these airlines essentially paid Harvard to do the study on the air inside of the planes, and they came up with the conclusion that because of the ventilation systems, the air is cleaner inside of a plane than it is outside. I, when I read that, I'm thinking, do they expect me to be that stupid? Yet they get well, paid enough for the study, obviously. I thought uh, I, I thought the study actually said that you were you were safer from COVID. Not that the air was necessarily better, but that you were safer from well, COVID. Well, I'm saying, how could you possibly be safer from COVID in a room with 250 other people than being outside? Um, well, first of all, nothing... I, uh, let, let me just start by saying, and I, as you know, I have some expertise on this stuff, too, because I litigated a bunch of these cases. Um, let me just say, first of all, that virtually nothing that was was popularly published about that disease or its vaccine um, at least in the, in the mainstream press initially was correct um, so so I don't I don't know the nature of the study I'll it, play devil's it's advocate theor- it's theoretically possible that for that to be true in the sense that if you look at what they were filtering for and and all that you know yeah, theoretically, it's, it's like it's like being an anti-Zionist but not being anti-Jewish. Theoretically, you could have that position. Um, theoretically, you could you could say, yeah, the the filtration system we use, the HEPA filters we use, screen for viruses this size and would trap an aerosol, an aerosol spread molecule or virus of this size. So theoretically, that the air in there is being scrubbed of this and therefore you're healthier chief chief also what they said was you are somewhat outside when you're in a plane because a lot of or six, 50 or 60 percent of the air is actually coming in from outside so that was i don't think it's yeah well you know the, but the interesting part to this and again this is me not mr i mean i would never be anywhere near as good as greg at grabbing stuff from the internet so i'll quickly grab that there was an original study back in like the 20s or maybe the teens regarding tuberculosis and how far away you had to be from somebody and Harvard did that study as well and said that in normal situations like outside if you were three feet away from somebody you were okay but in a closed environment like a plane you needed to be six feet away so now they get the same study from the other side and come back with the exact opposite conclusion well I, I mean the first I vaguely remember that that line being put out by uh, by a bunch of the airline people, and I, I I didn't I immediately dismissed it because it just seemed too convenient of a finding, and and because it to the extent that people were saying, well, you know, you're it's just like being outside. The short answer to that is no, it's not like being outside because if you're outside, you're in, you're you're in the presence of ultraviolet radiation, which kills you know which kills everything. Number one and number two, you're getting a vitamin D boost, which we know is a is a significant antiviral. Um, antiviral uh, prophylactic, so uh, which is redundant. Uh, but in, in any event, I, yeah, I, I I was aware of that, but I because I I went into some depth on COVID and especially on the vaccine and how all of the bureaucratic machinations going on around oh, yeah. this stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I I have a, just a little more information. Well, let's about, not let's not spin off on that. There's other stuff no. too important. Plus, I want I I would have to tell you that when. The, the city banned, like, w- you could walk along the lakefront, but you couldn't stop. I don't know if you knew that or not. So, our girl, 
Angelica, um, she liked to walk along the lakefront, so she's walking along. There's a beautiful sunrise. She was out there early. So she sits, sits down on a park bench. Watching the sunrise, a cop comes by and he goes, you know, you got to keep moving. I hope she was, I hope she was packing. Uh, well, there's was, was a cop. And the cop says, you know, you got to keep moving. That's like the rule. I'm going to say that he really wanted to see her walking away rather than was care- worried about COVID. I'm just, I'm just going to guess that because very attractive lady. Uh, I'm thinking he just wanted to see her walking and not sitting. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Uh, I, I, I think that's at least as logical a reason as thinking that there was some danger that she was going to infect somebody. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, was, she uh, says there wasn't I anybody mean, within 100 yards of her. It was like I, 5 I in mean, the morning. I mean, think about, think about how stupid, think about how stupid it was yeah. that we were telling people you have to wear a mask, but you can take it off at dinner. Yeah. As, yeah. If, as if the viruses know that if you're eating, you, you're immune. Um, th- think about all the stupid ways. I can see why you're drinking because the alcohol probably killed it. Well, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, and again, I don't want to get. I don't want to go down this path. No, it's not going on this path. But the short. The short answer is this: in 2006, under the second Bush administration, we developed a very thoughtful, planned out, scientifically based pandemic plan for diseases of varying efficacies, all right? None of those plans with respect to a disease like COVID, none of those plans involved mandatory masking because we knew it didn't work, number one, and lockdowns. By the way... uh, And yet, that's exactly what we did. Just by the way, you mentioned that Bush thing. That's interesting because there was a lady, somebody interviewed way back when this all started. Again, I don't want to get on this topic, even though we are. And every president since, essentially, Eisenhower, is, I think Eisenhower had the first one. What do we do if we get, when they first started doing you know, genetic warfare? They, they continuously updated it. They continuously updated And she had, she had every iteration of it so like since 1958. And they all were essentially, they all were essentially the same. They get a little, little modernized, a little this, any other stuff comes by. She goes, nobody looked at any one of them. No. No. No, it, it, it was, well, it, and, and I'll, uh, and we're going to stop with this. By the way, Kevin, uh, the reason, that, ha- the reason yeah. that happened is because those plans dis- did not provide for increasing bureaucratic authority and power to the agencies that we were going to for advice. The most important factor in, in the advice, what kind of advice was being given to, to Trump and then to Biden, and one of them embraced it 100%, the other one kind of did it in a half-assed kind of way. But, but, and I'm sorry I said that on the air. Um, By the way, that's, is, okay. that's okay. Is that, is that the minute Fauci and his people in NIH, Burks and the rest of them realized this was a way to increase our bureaucratic power and to get us on TV and all the other stuff, that's what they voted for, and that was the. But it, it went gave. it went all the way down the chain. Everybody in every county, the health person in the county became the health people. The health why they became you? it was your day in the sun. Yeah, and so and so they voted, they voted, and advised this is what you got to do, and and there was only a, there were only a couple of people within the within the senior administration leadership who had the t- thought thought process to pull out the the plan. 
and go to the president and say, they're not following this. And, and why aren't we following this? Where's, where's our, where's our cost benefit analysis on the, on the stuff we're doing versus the stuff we could be doing. So anyway, that it, this well, is, yeah, so concerned, let, let's comment. Democratic let's, ice bowls. There's a, um, oh, oh, just happened to be a lady doctor in, uh, in Homer Glen, right? I think it was Homer Glen. It's over by, uh, whatever, a little west of where Audrey is in Oregon. I think it's Homer Glen. And, uh, I think whatever county that is, if it's a Will County, I'm not positive, but the, uh, where her, her cousin's place having dinner, and the, this guy's got, uh, the neighbor has a, kid in grammar school, a kid in middle school, and a kid in high school. They do the middle schools there. And he said, you know, one of them is closed because there were like two kids in one class that had the COVID. So they sent everybody home. The other guys are, one school's going to school like a half a day. And the other school's doing at home three days a week and at school two days a week or something. He goes, this is the same lady making the same call. These buildings are within four blocks of each other. And by the way, all three of them are sitting in my living room. He goes, how stupid is this? Yep. Anyway, uh, real quick, I don't want to go into this too much, but I had a discussion last night, of course, that I never win, having, regarding this um, football playoff. Well, let's just take a couple minutes, because I know you're – and I am I'm kind of stunned, like, like I was here, how much I didn't know about the MIT situation. I'm stunned by how people's mentality have changed to such a tremendous extent based on money that's not even theirs. And what the obligations are of people, like in colleges and and in playoff selection committees and things like that, and I, I you know, what, I, it was more of a discussion. I didn't win it, but I'm I'm a, I'm appalled by where, mentally people's mentally have gone. I mean, these these are three people that are seriously into sports. I mean, seriously into sports, and they, way more than me. I don't think they played as much as I used to, but they really into it, and they're saying. Florida State had no business in there. They're not the best team, and the idea was that the this this bowl this committee this selection committee has one job and one job only is to pick the best four teams to get the best ratings for ESPN and for people. Guys, you don't want to watch a crummy game. It's up to them to give you the best game. And I'm going. No, they're not. They're not. So so yet you said two things there that were incompatible. They're they're here to pick the best team. That will give you the best entertainment. Well, it's the same. Yeah, the same highest time. ratings. Yeah, that's okay. That's not. The, well, it's not the best team. It's the team that generate the highest ratings for you. But but okay. But these these, I, they're they're, they're not. Their their point being is, you sh- if you, if you if you applied it to baseball, okay, and you have all these, you want all these Chief, teams. Chief, the short answer is there was no way that the SEC. I, I get it with its huge. Population demographic of overhormoned young people with poor impulse control it was going to be was going to be excluded from the. I, 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 not I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that obtuse. I get, I get that part, but I'm saying the the justification is what that that to me makes perfect makes perfect sense. I mean, the, the buffoons that were doing the game between Georgia and Alabama. That's all I talked about. Not the, during the game, the halftime and afterward. That's all I talk about, I and mean, I get that part. But I mean, there's people who actually think it doesn't matter whether you're 12 and or whatever you are. If you're going to be underdogs, they have the they. He goes, oh, next year it'll all be fine because uh, there's be more teams to play. No, it won't be fine. The, the subject will just change. But their point is, I said. So in other words, we all knew going in 
that the best teams are Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan, probably. Maybe maybe Texas in there somewhere. But they would be, I mean, right now, tomorrow, Ohio State would be favored against Washington for sure, and, and Texas probably, right? And uh, so would Joe and Georgia. And their point is, well, it doesn't matter. All the rest of the stuff getting there, This your, your job is to get somebody the, the, be, the best game and the best biggest listenership, which you're right, can be two separate things. But for the gamblers of the world, it's getting even, getting more even, Lou. Uh, so I said, okay, in, in baseball, you got everybody in the playoffs. So if somebody loses a pitcher somewhere along the playoffs, even, they, even if they win their playoff round against a team that maybe they upset this other team and now they got two injuries, you're saying that there should be a, a World Series selection committee it looks at all the stuff, the injuries and everything else, and who's really better, and they should select the team. And the the playoffs would just be just another, another like thing to judge them on. And they go, well, yeah, it probably would be the best way. And I'm going, Lou, when does that happen? I mean, so if Purdue loses in the first round to Slippery Rock in the NCAA, do we, do we say, well, no, that didn't really happen, and P- Purdue in the second round? I mean, what are we doing here? Well, okay, so so let's let's start with the, the idea that whoever the selection committee is, their whether it's a formal criterion or a you know an informal criterion, that is one that is not announced, the, the crucial thing to remember is this is the entertainment industry. Okay? The the most money Except I'm not I'm not I'm not that comfortable that college kids all of a sudden have have, it, it, have entered the entertainment. It, they are. They are. It, I get it. I get that's, all it, that's all it is. At, at, at the bottom line, and then again, this is your territory, not mine. Um, that this is the entertainment industry, and so we have an obligation to select teams that are going to deliver the best ratings for our major sponsor, ESPN, and and all the people that are going to pay money to get eyeballs on on their product, whether it's through advertising or, or through the, the football program. And so and so that's that that's the, the, the bottom line. This is why expansion of the playoffs is pushed by oh, yeah. you know, everybody except maybe those top ten teams because because the playoffs the the, the broader you sweep with people getting into the playoff system, the more chance there is for some team that is not a commercial success to actually make some money and and do something, because because now it comes down to playing the actual game. Well, but now you but then you run into now you run into another problem, the TCU problem. You don't have the depth the other teams do, and if you play two more games and your two well, best guys well, get hurt, then you're stuck. But, but, but if you're TCU, you don't care about that. If you're TCU, you want a seat at the table. You if if it's if it's a bunch of if it's a bunch of guys sitting around in a room, smoke-filled room, with ESPN, I, I, you know, on the phone, you're you're not getting in. Okay, but if I guess what I'm saying is, play you, in, but there's there's multifacets to this, and I want to get back to our other topic actually. But the, there's multifacets to this. If you make TCU play three more games against the likes of Alabama, and they only have ten really good players, and five of them now are hurt, all of a sudden. Your next game becomes a blowout, which it did. Okay, so but in other sports you don't necessarily have to account for that. Although you can get hurt in other sports, but I'm saying you you, you can't drop another three games on these kids like they seem to want to do. 
especially there's a big difference between playing three playoff games and only three season games in a row. I mean, look at the Irish. People, these people don't have a union. Well, okay, then that, that's they're in, as you know, that's that's right where I'm leading you. Oh, the, excuse me. Look, look. The NCAA yesterday said that the 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 teams yep. can now pay NIL stuff. These kids are now employees in my mind, and the, the they, head are, of, the, they are rapidly moving in that direction. The head of this, Notre Dame, Father Rodell's name is Jenkins. This will, be, this will be a mistake, but that's the right. Well, but no, Father no, Jenkins, no, I told you, but he's no, on record you. as saying we'll, we will never do that. And remember, I'm, remember, I told you. What was it before? Was it before I moved to Denver? Probably when you used to actually show up. When you used to actually when show we had, up. Yeah, when I used to show up for the well for the Stocks and Jocks World Headquarters Breakfast Buffet, yeah. which I miss every Thursday. Um, I, we were talking about Northwestern, the, the the trying to unionize the football team, trying yep. to unionize, and I said this is the wrong model. Yet we had a stupid, yet a stupid opinion by a National Labor Relations Board Regional Council. It was just a little ignorant. It was, it was embarrassing. But but he was trying to he was trying to make the, the, the statement that these kids could, could unionize and that they were effectively employees. And I said, that is the wrong model because these football coaches have way more control over these kids than an employer does. Way more control. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. The model is not, the model is not employer-employee. The model is parent-child in loco parentis that's the status that these coaches have with these kids and and if we look at it from that context then that introduces some other things but but to look at these people as employees is going to open a a pandora's box of of issues i i said that i think before i left so that was like 20 what 2016 well, 2017 yeah, and you and you have been right and i and i I'm, i know i'm i will not win this argument but anyway i know i'm going to be right at least half the schools are not going to buy into this. Oh, I agree. You know, but but the short answer is, you know, is is for me not the short answer. The the, the short question is, is Congress going to step in and do what? They don't know. You know how many people are in the portal? I looked last night. Kevin Bryant's a better number. I looked last night in, in the football portal. Hundreds. Twelve hundred and seventy-seven as of last yeah. night. Yeah, I, I mean half the Duke football team's leaving. Or, or, now, how? What percentage is Notre Dame? Is Notre Dame going to get that quarterback from Duke? I don't know. They're probably well. They've lost their two receivers. Some of them might. Can Can somebody in the portal play in a, in the bowl game? Uh, yes, I believe they can. Because Kevin, I thought said no. Now Russell says that the uh, the punter uh, from Indiana is going to play, and he's in the portal. I, I thought. I thought. I thought they could. I thought it was up to the school, but I think, I think it's it, up to the school too. But most people, as minute they're in there, you're gone. In, in any in any event, how many? You know, what percentage of these kids do you think are going to blow a scholarship? Oh, ninety. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't think ninety. I'll, I'll bet it's no. I, I mean, I mean, but but again, I, I think this model is is a mistaken model. But but in the context that we're speaking about about why Florida State is not in there. Uh, it it makes perfect sense. It's all it's all being driven by. by oh, money. I get. But, but I'm saying to but ex, what, to what extent do you do you go down that road? Do you, do you say well, okay? So so let, let let's look at this. If you're Florida State, you're screaming right. You're, and you're what you're screaming about, and, and and the fix for your screaming is very straightforward. It's I want a 614 super conference with with four 16 team conferences. Subconferences that play off against each other 
and then play off uh, ultimately all the way through to a national championship, just like the NC2As. Except that uh, the, bigger, the bigger you bring it out, you just become the the uh, winner of a postseason tournament. Everybody who thinks that every year the winner of the NCAA tournament is, tournament is the best team is out of their mind. Probably but, happens but one it, out of five years. But it, but it doesn't. It does. That doesn't matter. Right. But you have the tournament, so you play them. And if I'm Florida State, I want that. You know why? Because that gives me some control, as opposed to four guys in a smoke-filled room with ESPN. But if you phone. take this model that says, okay, somebody slippery rock beat Purdue, even though Purdue's better. And oh, by the way, in the last minute or two, their two best players tore their knees up. They have the right to put Purdue back in, and, and that's what they're saying in football. That well, an injury well, makes a difference. And that's that's again, if if you're in a true playoff system, you don't have to worry about that. If those if those kids if those if you win, you're sixteen. By the way, your your QB at Duke was on campus at Notre Dame yesterday. Okay, yeah, I I, I understood that was going to happen. He's 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 pretty good. All right, so um, we got a dash here and say, but. My, regarding the portal, because we always have more t- stuff to talk about that we can do in an hour, but if if I put my name in a portal and it's two weeks before finals, can they kick me out today, or do I have to finish the semester, or uh, or, or my is my did I just null null and void my my scholarship as of what day? I I, I don't think they can terminate the scholarship until you actually like leave or are fired. But I, I, don't I, I don't think that they re, that they're required to let you back in. I mean, because Kevin said last year when the the quarterback that, that left Notre Dame ended up going to Alabama, that the, the the coach said if if he didn't wasn't successful in the portal he would welcome him back. But I think that was a one off. I think they're gone once they're in, and you don't have to take them back. I, I, I assume you at least give them the rest of the semester and let them take their finals. I would guess they would do that, but I don't know. So I'm asking. Well, I, I I don't I don't know either. Um, I'm I'm not I've kept up on all the nuances of this. I'm much more interested in the in the NIL stuff and then what happens at the NFL. And so I'm going to point your listeners, our listeners, to a story that Jaguars had a, an employee who stole 22 million plus from the football club. How do you do that? He had something called he had access to something called the club's virtual credit cards. He bought a condominium, two cars, and and rented. But somebody had to pay the credit cards. I, I, chief, I don't ask me. I don't know how you lose track of twenty two million. I think you're making if you if you lose track of twenty two million, I'm thinking you got too much money. Well, well, it's it's incredible, but it's a story. The, the guy was criminally indicted, and uh, and the Jaguars are just saying, look, you know, we're cooperating with the FBI, blah blah blah. But think about the crappy financial controls that must have been in place at that place. Do they they at least get the jet? I I, don't, I have no idea. No, no, it was, he was a fractional fractional. Ownership. Oh, fractional owner. So maybe they got a you know they got a few they got a an aileron or something maybe. <laughs> God, but their, their football team's doing better though, right? Oh yeah, they were the first. Well, they, their quarterback got wrecked, but but I mean they're, they're doing better in the sense that they're they're in line I think for the number, maybe the number one or number two draft. Well, who was, was the team that was on Monday night for the first time? Was that the, I thought that was Jacksonville. No, no, it was uh, who was on Monday night that they actually won? They beat uh, no, the, they, they uh, lost, the but they were eight and three. They were eight and three. Yeah, they had not been on in how long? Anyway, like a while. Yeah, anyway. like a, all right. Lou, take care of yourself. Uh, SP futures. By the way, you guys get any snow or is it all rain up north? Seven inches tomorrow. 
You're not. Are you part? Since when does a storm become an atmospheric river? Every storm now is an atmospheric. No, no, river. but this, this is this is the latest. This is the latest weatherman ploy. I see that Dan's not on yet. This is the latest weatherman ploy to uh, to get to get clicks and get people to watch. Ah. You know, there's an atmospheric river coming. So everybody goes, "Oh my God, I have to tune in on the weather and look at you know." Hope I don't get washed downstream. You know, look at look at. And look at the weather women in their in their form-fitting dresses. Oh, you know, I got which, well, they got some good ones here in Chicago. I first saw in Chicago, by the way. Oh God, yeah. We got there's no more PJ Hoff. There's no more Harry Volk. We don't want any of those guys. No. Once no. once Skilling retires, he's replaced by some good-looking girl. And he's retiring, I think, at the end of the year. Hey, uh, um, SP futures up four. Nasdaq futures up forty. Come back. We have a special appearance by Kenny Polcari on a Thursday. Tell Kenny hello, I this time. Hello. Hello. Confused about it. Investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Something happening here. What it is. Hello, we're back Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. We have uh, Greg Pappas on the board. I'm looking at the S&P's up. All of a sudden just jumped up five. NASDAQ futures up 50. We have Mr. Kenny. We do, we do. How are you, buddy? Happy Thursday to you. By the way. Was it 7 a.m. my time or 8 a.m. my time? Was I should have said 7 uh, Central Standard Time. All right, so 8 o'clock my time. So yeah. I'm, I'm five minutes late. I apologize. No, no problem. Lou says hello. Uh, hello, Lou. He says he hasn't talked to you in ages, and uh, he's, he's one of your favorites. He, he says he always likes listening. So uh, we just went through a whole routine about the the, 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 the uh, chairman of the major universities in the country being ill-prepared for their congressional visit. Uh, <laughs> how does somebody... Did you see... Did you... I, I have to tell you something. I was disgusted with what I saw the other day. Lou was in the same camp. Actually, Greg watched all of it. I just watched the Harvard. I didn't watch the other two. I should have, evidently. Uh, they, they, they all said the same thing. I mean, it was unbelievable. And you know what I think is amazing? It's three women that, that, that are presidents of these three universities, which is fine. But they all said the same thing. Well, it depends on the context. Uh, my head blew off my shoulders when they said that. I, I don't... It's unbelievable to me. I think they're... Uh, they are, uh, and, and, and Elise Stefanik was right. She said, you know, you all deserve to get fired immediately right now for, for, for being unable to answer that question with nothing other than yes. It's, uh, I don't... The uh, the degree of... In, oh, boy, I'm going to really walk off the plank here. <laughs> it, it, it used to be, you know, that the self-pontificating males had this degree of entitlement and you couldn't touch them. Right. It seems to... It seems to have shifted somewhat. These ladies have a real degree of entitlement that they're untouchable. I, I yes. boy, oh boy, I, I never felt that about myself in any job. <laughs> well, I wonder. Look, I still think there's, I still think there's some fallout to come from this because I think people are disgusted, um, and so I'm not necessarily sure that it's over. And these other colleges that 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 should be forced to come, you know, whether it's Cornell, whether it's NYU, whatever. They should also be, you know, Yale. They should all be forced to come to the to come to the to, to the to the table. I uh, talk about, you know, what their policy is. Yeah, I would, you know, I mean, I I, I grew up at Notre Dame. There was a, a Ted Hesburgh, you know, but Ted Hesburgh was a very unusual human being. It wasn't just because he was a priest. The guy was all over the world helping people on everything, and he he one of these twenty hour a day guys. He, yeah. You know, he would have said, okay, you got a different points of view, and here's what you do. We're going to debate them. We're going to write them up. We're going to talk about them. We're not going to go th- yelling at people in the middle of the campus. That, that's, off, that's off the chart. We're not doing that. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't. There, there's ways. There are a lot of things. I mean, and if you're involved in this situation, one side or the other, I liken it to a way worse episode of the Irish and the British. 
everybody had a had, a, had an uncle or somebody that got whacked or wounded or something in this this hatred over a couple of centuries. And but someday you just got to say, stop it. Here's here's where we disagree. Here's where we this abusing people on campus is not solving anything for anybody, is it? it, it not at all. Not at all. And the fact that I think it was the I think it was the woman from Penn when they when they when she said you know the words themselves are not are not harassment it, but if it turns into conduct then it's harassment so Lisa Fonick said okay so you mean somebody has to die before it violates your your rules of conduct yeah if is somebody that, if somebody that, walked that up to her and called her a name she would immediately think it differently uh, of course yeah, yeah a thousand percent yeah a immediately percent. and then the woman from uh Harvard, you know, who's a, who's a very educated woman. She's a black woman from Harvard. Dr. Gay, I said, doctor. I think she's a doctor. Anyway, Dr. Gay, whatever. Um, but she wouldn't answer it either. She kept putting it, you know, well, you have to understand the context. The context is bullshit. Oh, sure it is. When you call for the elimination of anybody, it's not the context. It's it's bullshit. Yeah. It's harassment. It's wrong. It needs to be, it needs to be uh, you know, dealt with immediately. But don't even get me started because I get my head is just flying off my shoulders. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know how I don't understand how individual people can think this way. Uh, well, and, and that's exactly my point. These, the fact that these three women stood there. I mean, I mean, but I mean, the students. We're talking about the we're supposed to be the brightest and the best. I would okay. never do that to somebody. No, no. But you know what I think is even more amazing is that these students clearly don't understand history. They they clearly must not. And they don't want to understand the truth of what just happened on October 7th in terms of the murders and the killings and the rapes in front of the parents, in front of the children. In front, It's horrendous what they did. And, and yet, you know, this is not an anti-Palestinian thing. No one's against the Palestinian people. It's an anti-terrorist thing. Right. And, and the fact that the terrorists are not allowing the people to leave because they use them as human shields. And then they tell the world, oh, wow, look what Israel did. Look how bad they are. You know what? That's bullshit. I, I would... What What do you make of... Uh, one of the reasons why I was happy you decided to come on today, what do you make of all the, the, the two guys, the guy at Columbia and the guy at NYU, digging up all this insider trading going on in Israel the last couple of days before the invasion? No. It's, I just saw that headline yesterday afternoon about about how uh, on the yeah the day before on the sixth there was all kinds of options activity and and investing activity ahead of the event very much like there was prior to nine eleven right yeah. all that activity that had taken place in the airline stock on the day before right or the Friday before uh, the Tuesday or the Monday whatever the day was before but um yeah it's it's very interesting I want to see more I want to see more of that data right. Yeah, I was on uh, yesterday. We had, I think it was was Kevin or whatever. And I, I said, you know, if either, and I, I don't know which, either the Israeli group monitors somewhat their markets, uh, yeah. is 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 all over this, just not told anybody yet, and is preparing whatever they use over their indictments or whatever, or they're yeah. searching for the people. Uh, either that, God bless it. If, if they missed it, Kenny, just like our people here missed it. Why do we why do we have these people? Why are we paying them? Uh, it's beyond me. It's beyond me. But I actually want to, like you, I want to see that data. I want to see more about that story. And then I think I think something absolutely has to be done because they take advantage of the capital markets with this inside knowledge that they're going to create this disaster, which is exactly what they did both on nine eleven and on October seventh. Right. And they profited. 
Well, and, and I, you know, then you get the the, the uh, whatever the chatter you get from from radio and TV. I'm not accusing you of this. Is the I mean, because Kevin says something. Well, you sometimes you can't find the money. I says Kevin, you always can find. I mean, you know where that trade comes from. Nothing nothing is simpler than finding out where a trade went to. For God's Correct. sake, I mean it's Correct. and and right. uh, and he says, well, do, you know, maybe you can. I should ask my brother. He's our compliance guy. If if all of a sudden some huge trade took place, I mean, it wouldn't be through. If it was through my brother putting the trade in or somebody here putting the trade in, we would we would know our client and all other kind of good stuff. Now, if it, we also have people that use the IB platform, and even though we we know the trade that that they put in, or we can certainly find it, uh, they they do it on their own. All right, so if somebody goes in and buys, you know. A thousand puts in United Airlines. First of all, it, it would be a red flag at PTI for sure. We'd say, "Wait, wait a minute! What, who the hell's that? And, and where did that trade come from?" But my question is, if all of a sudden the SEC knocked on the door, would they need a subpoena to get that information from us? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I don't know enough about that, but I, I don't, don't either. Think so. I think they, I think they get it real easy. Or if they need a, a subpoena to get the subpoena real, I I, I yeah. think we. Not only that, we would probably be happy to fess up, especially if somebody bombed a, a building the next day. Yeah, correct. I mean, we, yeah. we we would not be we would not be in way of this investigation. We'd say, "Who is this guy? and How do we get him?" Right. Yeah. No. Agree. Agreed. A thousand percent. I mean, but how, how do you not how do you not trace the the money? Has to go somewhere. It gets it spits out someplace. Right. I agree. It has to go somewhere. And where's it going to go? And where's it hiding? Right. Where do they put it? Yeah, they could easily trace it, and they should trace it. Yeah. I mean, look, they can trace anything today, right? So they should easily trace it. I got. I got. This is a question. Maybe if you don't know the answer, I'm just jumping you. When and 9/11 happened, it was what 20, 21 years ago now, 22, right? Uh, was was a settlement three or five days? Uh, stock settlement? Yeah. Well, it, it it settles it settles trade day plus one, right? So okay, that's what what was it back then? Or, yeah. But it's three days when it's you know when they when they it, it'll settle the next day. But it's three days by the time they do it all, right? Like right. Yeah, the, mon- the money trades. The money. The money. The money. Right. right. But, but what, it used to be five, and then now and then it became yeah. three. I'm wondering, in nine eleven, if they'd have been on it, if it was five, they should have been able to intercept the money, shouldn't they? They should have been able to intercept the money. Sure, they should have been able. But I think that I think it was so stunning at that moment that all that data I don't think came out. I don't think it came out the day of, or even the next day. I think it came out a couple of days even after that that there was all that, all that. Well, it came out. It came out because Dr. J was on TV talking about it. The SEC right, called. But, yeah, John, but, after, but how, did, how does he have his? I mean, I know I know when John built the system. I know the guys who helped him, and I you know I helped him out a little bit, very little, very very little bit. Uh, but uh, how did how, how did how did the SEC or FINRA not have something? Well, there was no FINRA at the time. The NASD, how, how, how did they not have anything to track something like that? What, what do they I, do I, all day? Yeah. Listen, by the way, I'm just look. Apparently, the president from UPenn just put out a Twitter message apologizing for really? her. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm just. I'm, it, it, the, the words are written on the screen. I'm not listening to it. I'm trying to read what she says as I'm talking to you. But now she's backtracking after her after her. Her her performance and apparently all this she must be getting huge amounts of backlash. Now she's on Twitter with a with a public apology. Kenny, I have a question. You're uh, you you know you're a Boston guy, so obviously you know it's you're closer to the place. I mean, I, I'm sort of pissed off that Notre Dame's always after me for money, but it but it's I don't have 
I, I when uh, Lou said to me or Greg said that Cutter has given Harvard like five hundred million dollars. That would never have even crossed my mind. Why? Why? And I immediately said, "Well, they must be have a bunch of students there, and they're paying a tuition." They go, "No, they're they're for this Muslim development, this and that." I, I had no idea that stuff was going on, Kenny. What? What is? What's your re- reach of that? Why? Why? If if I'm Notre Dame, why the hell would I take? Fi- well, you take money from anybody, I guess, but why would I take five hundred million from from Saudi Arabia for God's sake? <laughs> Well, why not? Why wouldn't you do that, right? Because it certainly helps your campus. You can suddenly put new buildings, new libraries, new sports centers, but then you become committed to, you know, then there's an agenda there. The same way there is when the Chinese come in and start giving you all kinds of money. They want to do Chinese studies or they want to indoctrinate their way, right? Here's the money, but here's what you have to teach and here's what you have to do with our money. And so they kowtow to it. And what's her name? I think who said it last night? Nikki Haley, I think, said it last night. Absolutely not. Or did or did Vivek say it? I forget which one said it. But um, get out of our universities. Get out. And if you want, you know, if these universities want U.S. money, they're not taking foreign money. If they take foreign money, they're not taking U.S. money. Okay, what, how do how do people, I mean, I don't know, I mean, you and Lou obviously know more about this Eastern education stuff than I do. But how, how do people just in general, I mean, when I talk about the market, we'll do that for a little, little bit. How do people in general... Not have their eyes open like at all that when their kid can't get into engineering or accounting at University of Illinois and has to go to Wisconsin or Indiana. Not saying they're bad schools; they aren't. They might be better in Illinois. Uh, I mean, that obviously you're paying full tuition in Indiana or Wisconsin, and that and then the people in Illinois are taking people from Indiana and Wisconsin, so they're paying full tuition. And oh, by the way, they're taking anybody they can get from China because they pay full, full tuition. Right. How, how do how do how does a citizen? I mean, I know you can't you can't have umbrage at everything your elected official do, especially in Illinois. You'd be umbraging all day long. Uh, I don't know what you'd do with it. You'd have, you'd have, you'd have to must have you have to have fifty different sandwich signs for every topic you come across. But how how, how in general do, do people not at least understand and going on and say, wait a minute, what what are you guys doing? We're, we're, we're subsidizing the hell out of this place, and you're rewarding us by tell, by sending our kids to another state where we got to pay twenty grand more. I mean, how does how, well, does, no, I, how does nobody even bring it up? Now, now, now you bring up something like Cutter. I mean, I got to believe that Chinese have some influence in Illinois, but I thought it was just paying tuition. Maybe it's more than that. I think I think because I agree with you. I was unaware the extent to which these foreign governments are contributing to U.S. universities. And I think I think a lot of people were unaware of it, but I think this has shed a light on it. I think and now it's gonna become a topic, as it should be, right? They should shed a light on it. They should, people in this country should know, you know, where this money is coming from and, and who these universities are responsible to. I think that's gonna be another, that's gonna be a new part of the conversation. Yeah, and it should be. Well, how does, should. simple stuff, if, if 50 people show up from China, University of Illinois, does every one of the fifty people write their own tuition check somehow, or does there's a there's a blanket check come from you know the party? I, I, I don't even I have no idea. I, 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 well, I have no idea. Maybe a lot of these kids from China end up going to the universities for nothing because China's made such a huge. That maybe that's part of the deal. We're going to give you this money. All our kids go there for nothing. Well, yeah, I think at the end of the day, they're paying essentially full bore. Yeah. What's a or what do you make of uh, we got the Fed the. the the thing I didn't expect is for the market to just grind to a halt here. Russell was on yesterday. He's, uh, out of all of us maybe, I'm not going to say for you, but he's been to China and those kinds of places probably more than anybody. Did a lot of consulting work over there. 
He's incredibly worried about the dollar-denominated Chinese debt. He's convinced people here, some people here, up their eyeballs in it. We just don't know who. And he's, yeah. he's very worried about it. The markets over there keep going down. Yet the rest of the world seems oblivious. We certainly, I mean, we've paused for a few days here, but are we going to go right back to every year not, the Fed? I'm not but just this is just a pause. I actually think that we, you know, I think you and I discussed it. I, you know, it, it wasn't surprising that they took us right back to the highs. We hit some resistance. It feels like there's a fair amount of resistance. But now the story is starting to change. That economic slowdown that we've been talking about for months and months and months now appears to be uh, now appears to be here, right? We're starting to see it in the labor market. You're starting to see it up in other places. You're starting to see it in the rising default credit card defaults, auto loan defaults. You saw Wells Fargo get out of the, the HELOC business now because they, they must be seeing or they must be anticipating a declining housing prices. And, you know, HELOCs are all based on the equity in your home. Right. And so housing prices decline. They, they lose their equity. Uh, and so now they're out of the market. You're starting to see uh, more layoffs coming out. But Wells Fargo, just they, they allocated a billion dollars for severance because enough people are not retiring on a regular basis because the cost of living is so high that these people are working longer. And so now they're saying, okay, well, we can't have you, so you're out, but we have to allocate a billion how does dollars. That, how does, I don't see how anybody who has any kind of a regular job drops down to Social Security and says that's enough? Yeah, right. Well, they can't. Not Certainly not now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you... Um, <laughs> know anyone who really can anyway right you can't you can't live on social security no. uh, you know and 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 maintain your well, you, right? you, Just, you, if you if you live in a, a very low cost state and you have your your house is paid for and uh you yeah. know, your car is paid for you could you can drop in there for a bit probably. yeah you could you're absolutely right at, but at some point you got to replace the car at some point yeah. you got to fix your, at some point you're, you you still have to pay health care right right so, so uh, you know, it was never meant to support you in your current lifestyle. It was meant to be a net. Okay, that's great. But, uh, but, but, and I think that's why you're seeing more people work longer. Even why you saw baby boomers who had retired are now back in the workforce because uh, you know they they they're they're losing ground. Did you? Uh, I think I sent it to you. Did, you. did you get that David Stockman article from the Epic Times? Uh, I don't remember seeing it, so send it to I'll, me. I'll, I'll play it to you because, first of all, I don't. You know, the guy was uh, what's Clinton's guy, and but he's writing for essentially a, a right wing thing, right? Uh, nothing in there, Kenny, that you and I probably wouldn't have suspected. But, yeah. But the dude obviously has access to information that maybe I can't get. I mean, the economic stuff that you know you and I can't, unless yeah. we, unless we had somebody working for us to go find it. I mean, I'm sure it's available someplace, but. I would. I had, I had no idea that um, two things. One is he's convinced since 2000, and, I, and I've said this, God, hundreds of times. Ever since 2000, there was a change in whatever they were doing, whatever the leadership happens to be. It had nothing to do between left and right. I noticed because yeah. I actually went through year by year. Every single year, the money supply was growing two to three to four percent, maybe even five percent higher than the, the real rate of of growth, which to me, a monetarist, means you're absolutely on a, on a program to inflate asset prices and maybe hope the rest of the people come along and we really don't care. And he comes out with the exact same days. Since 2000, this has been the program from somebody, and we've driven, and he actually had some numbers that if you were in the top 
10% and a top tenth of 1%, if you didn't do anything and just had the normal assets people had in 2000, if you're in the top 1%, you're up $20 million a person in, in asset, in wealth, even if you didn't work. And if you're in the top tenth of 1%, you're up $88 million per person in wealth due to the markets, bonds, and, and housing prices. And at the rest of the economy, the rest of the people average, the wage average is 240 bucks a year. He says, in the last 22 years, we have totally decimated what we used to have in a middle, middle class economy, and it's been on purpose, essentially, by somebody, whoever the somebodies are. And the other thing that I, I, I couldn't, I had no reason to know this, I guess, Kenny, because I, if you look at the, the median wage, it's always 36, 37, wherever you look. I've always thought that that was a little light. I thought it was a little higher than that. I mean, not 50, but I thought it was higher than that. Well, he, he, did, he figured it out it was 40. But what I never knew was, he said, if you take the bottom half and what the medium wage of the bottom 50%, I would have guessed 30-something. I would have guessed them all, whole lots of people were bundled right under the 40 number or the 35 number. But then again, I'm showing my, uh, my south side roots, which I assume all the time that people are working 40 hours, I guess. I, the, you know what the number is for the bottom? 40 is the median. For the people under 40, you know what the median number there is? What? It's like 17.9. I would have guessed really? high 20s, low 30s. I was, I was flabbergasted when I saw that number. I'm like, how could it be so low? And, and, when, and the poverty line for an individual is like 15 grand, and for a family is like 25. So if one person's working in the bottom half making 17.9, and is a family of four, he's, he's, 60 per, he's, he's only 60% of the poverty level. These numbers are horrible. They're horrible. Yeah, I, yeah no. Yeah, no, I hear you. But I, I don't even know. How do, how do we, without doing a crash of 29 scenario, which I sure as hell don't want, how, how do we bring this these groups somewhat back together? Is, is it even possible? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, I don't know how you're going to bring them back. I don't know how you're going to bring them back, but. In any event, look, let's just talk about the, where the market's yeah. going. Like I said, yeah. We, yeah, I think we hit a top. I think we're going to hit some resistance here. I'm not surprised to see the market pull back. And remember, everyone's talking about the Santa Claus rally. In re- Officially, the Santa Claus rally is the two weeks in between Christmas and the first week of J- and January. Right, so right. the December rally, it was great. It felt good. I'm glad everyone was participating. But that's not, quote, unquote, the Santa Claus rally. So I think we pull back a little bit. Uh, and then I do think that, you know, at the year end, we'll have some year end jockeying going on and you're going to have the ongoing tax selling and, you know, hard tax loss harvesting and all that stuff into, right into the final day of the year um, as people reposition. But look, I think that there's going to be a cautious environment. The market has been priced to perfection. S&P earnings are supposed to go up 11% next year. I think that's a little bit rich, especially if now we're starting to see that weakening economy. So I think you're going to see some revisions. Um and then you're going to see kind of the market churn a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised to see us churn lower, stay there for a little bit until we catch up and get more clarity on what the economic data is telling us and uh, and ultimately what the Fed's going to do. But look, yields at 10-year yields are now 4.1%. It, the, the bond market is doing the work for the Fed. They've yep. got, you know, interest rates are lower. Yields are lower. So interest rates are lower. So in my mind, the Fed can sit where they are and allow the bond market to do the work. Mortgage rates have come down. Auto loans should be coming down. 
right? Um, the only thing that won't change is revolving credit. Those are usurious at 30%. I don't know why anyone doesn't talk about that, but those are usurious rates at 30%. But one way or the other, the bond market should be doing some of the work. Now, if the Fed cuts, remember, be careful what you wish for, because if they cut, they're really cutting not because it's you know it's a robust economy and everything's coming up roses. They're cutting because you know we're about to go off the edge. Well, they're and they're, and they're cutting for that class of people. They're not cutting for anybody else, like you just said. Correct. Correct. What uh, Kenny? We're, we got a dash here, but um, do you have any? Do you have a thirty-second thought on what the hell happened in gold Sunday night when it was up twenty? Was up forty bucks, then was closed down sixty the next day or something? No, I, you know, I, I I don't. I think. Listen, I love gold. I like gold. Which shot up there to twenty one fifty. I think was what it did. Yeah. That night, right. It pulled right back. I, I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe that was that maybe that was an error. That was a fat figure because look what it did. It went straight up and came right yeah. back straight. Do you think? Right? Uh, do you think the Chinese are liquidators? Because obviously they got trouble. Uh, I, I think the Chinese are liquidators. And look, the Chinese are liquidators of, of U.S. Treasuries as well, right? They're That's net true. seller. That's true. Treasuries. So, yes, it wouldn't surprise me. Kenny, thank you very much. By the way, okay. half hour is so much better. We get to talk about some stuff. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, as usual. Uh, talk at, or I guess, our regular time Tuesday. Uh, SP yeah. Futures up three and a quarter, and as if he's up 39. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 375. Nasdaq Futures up 45. Dow Futures down 36. I'm looking to see in the Dow. I got Nike down 214. Uh, nothing else. So we had Microsoft down a buck 85. Everything else is uh, muted, muted, shall we say? Or in Europe, these guys were very muted before. No, not so much now. We're down a little bit. Uh, Dax down 31.2%. FTSE down three. Call that flat. Kicking around down 15.2%. So they're a little lower than they were an hour ago. Uh, Nikkei down 587. That's 1.8%. Ouch. But they, they're coming off a pretty decent high. Hang Seng, however, down again. 117. 16.345. So that's real low for those guys. Shanghai again. Down only 273, but can't get back over 3,000. 29.66. Chinese stocks are getting smacked. Uh, no other way of putting it. Yesterday, the uh, Dow was down 70. S&P down 17. NASDAQ down 83. Bonds up six basis points to uh, 4.18. We got the Bund on change 2.21. Japan up 10 basis points. That's a big move, 0.75. Uh, we've got oil up 70 cents. Just crept over. Just crept over 70 bucks. It's 70.08. Brent up 80 cents, 75.10. 
Natural gas down three cents, two fifty-three. We've got gold uh, right back, right back in the middle, two thousand and fifty, up two twenty. Silver up t- uh, two cents, twenty-four twenty-five. Copper up three cents, three seventy-six. Um, crypto, uh, uh, Bitcoin's down six seventy-nine, uh, six seventy, to forty-three thousand two seventy-three. So still really high. And the U.S. dollar, which is totally unchanged the last time we talked, it's actually down a hair. Uh, not, I'd say almost nothing. So the euro's at 107.7, and the British pound's at 125.7. What do you got for us, Travi Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. It is 7.34 here in Chicago. 37 degrees right now, 51 today, mostly sunny. Phoenix, 53 degrees right now, 75 today, mostly sunny also. Traffic, inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 45 minutes. Uh, Edens from Lake Cook is 82 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 41 minutes. And the 95th to the interchange, um, Orion is 26 minutes. Inbound Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan, 33 minutes. Uh, Bulls beat the Hornets yesterday. That was at home. And in the NFL, Justin Fields says he won't stress about circumstances that are out of his hands. Quote, I mean, life isn't fair. I'm just focused on what I can control. And the rest is in God's hands. He was referencing um, being the Bears possibly getting the number one pick tonight. Thursday night football, Patriots at Steelers, Pittsburgh, minus six. That's all I got, Chief. So do you think Pittsburgh would rather be starting uh, Mitch tonight or Fields? Well, Mitch did Mitch Mitch when uh, Pickett got injured last game, so. Yeah. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Good morning, Tom. How are you? So, so, uh, I'm good. How about you? I'm doing all right. I, uh. I'm learning a lot here this morning. I just because I, I, I had just listened to the uh, Harvard lady. I didn't listen to the other two people. Um, the I can't believe uh, when I ran for the the board of the CBOE, right? Um, the two of, two of us that were running from the outside, the guys who were the Independent Floor Members Association that was backing us said, "Hey, you, you two idiots, got to go get some media training in case somebody actually interviews you, knowing that as market makers you're not so media savvy, right?" So we actually went to a night, and it was about four hours worth of uh, training, and it was it was mind-boggling. It was really something. Uh, and because uh, the lady who was doing the interviewing, she just retired. She had maybe had her second or third kid. She was a uh, God, was she smart? And she was the lady doing uh, the training, and had been a reporter in Boston or New York or something forever. And thank God that she picked on the other guy and not me, right? Because she she started giving him questions like, so why are you guys running? Well, we want to make sure that the uh, auction stays in the market. He says, oh, so it's not in the mar- market now. What's wrong? Well, who who what, what's going? That she just dove at him, and he was within a second. He was totally tongue tied, which it would have been me, right? Uh, so then we listened to two tapes. One of which I'm sure they got to be on YouTube. One is from Bull Durham, the, the big dumb pitcher. When Kevin Costner says, "I'm going to teach you your cliches," and then he has when he gets to the, the major leagues, he's got this really attractive reporter talking to him, and the first thing he says is, "Wow, did you change your hair, boy? It really looks nice." And uh, and she and she like gives a little blush, and she starts asking him these questions. He's like, "I'm just here to help the team. Whatever the team wants me to do, I'll do it. I know I'm new. I'm going to learn from the people around me." He he was masterful. <laughs> <laughs> the big dumb pitcher, right? So then they switched to on the Bob Newhart show. Evidently, he went on TV to be 
interviewed by this lady, and she was saying, no, just be comfortable, just a few easy questions, blah, blah, And she latches into them about psychology and blah, 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 and how much do you charge an hour, and how what do you do to these people? And finally, she says, and how many... How long does it take before somebody's cured? And he says, well, nobody's ever really what you call cured. Let me get this straight. Somebody comes and sees you and pays $30 an hour for three years and they're not cured. You never cured anybody? What, what do you do? <laughs> he, he, was, he was a mush, mush ball by the time she was done with him. And he actually knew what he was talking about versus the pitcher didn't know anything, right? So the advice always is to anticipate Instead of an immediate person calls you, I mean, no one's going to call me. I'd say they did. I'll say, I definitely want to talk to you. Whatever's, by the way, what subject are we talking about? And then they'll, they'll say something, you know, whether, whether it's, uh, you know, who knows what they might want to talk to me about. Uh, you know, money supply, something, whatever it happens to be. Or it could be the, the stuff over in uh, Israel, the, the money that, or the trades that allegedly took place the day before. So you immediately sit down, gather your thoughts, write down on a piece of paper, what you know about the subject and what you're going to talk about. And then no matter what they ask you, you stick with what you know and what, and don't let them lead you down some path. Because, but you always call them back because if you, you're never going to be able to afford that kind of, you, you can't buy a national audience. Nobody's got that kind of money except maybe Bloomberg. So you always have to say yes. But then you have to, you can't also talk about, I mean, some of it gets ridiculous, but you know, if, if if I was running for president and I get off a plane and somebody says, "Hey, chief, how's your golf game?" You know, golf game's not so good because I'm spending all this time running for president because this is what I want to accomplish. You know, you can go too far with it to where it, no matter what you say, the answer to the same question. You know, is is it daylight out? And you give them some stupid question about the answer about the Cubs winning. You know, you, you can't go that far, but you really have to know what your message is. And now the, the idea with the cutter thing. She should know. It should be, and maybe it's, it could be as simple as, you know, 30 years ago, we allowed the first four or five people into the business school and the law school from Cutter. And from there, those people went back to Cutter, talked, you know, educated other people. Their, their economy has gotten so much better because of the, the uh, educational process that people learned here and, uh, and how to manage the economy and the money and stuff, that there's been this eternal gratitude we have more and more students from Cutter. We're up to ten a year or something, and they, because of all this, they gave us this mo- kind of money for a library. That should be the answer, right? Yeah. It shouldn't be that we got this big thing and we threw up this this thing for, you know, whatever Muslim studies. And by the way, we're teaching it. I don't think I'm saying, but there should be a reason for this. Why does somebody give you that kind of money, right? It's not a stupid question, is it? No, to them, I, if it, but if they were to really, you know, explain in what ways this money has influenced them, um, they wouldn't have enough time on TV to get through it all. Right, but but there should so be a history to it, James. What I'm saying, there should be. Oh, there oh, yeah. and there is a history. None yeah. of these big gifts, especially from national governments, Tom, come without tr- tremendously tight strings attached to them. And I, I would put the Penn Biden Center in this league with China. Who knows what China? thought they were getting when they throw all this money at Penn and you know open this office, you know, you know, Biden and Anthony Blinken on the, you know, advisory committees for it. And who knows what that was all about? We probably won't ever know the full extent of it or what China's expectations were any more than, you know, how far Cutter's gift, you know, 
was was in their eyes used to influence hiring for faculty or enrollment numbers or public statements. Who knows how deep it went, but it went pretty deep for that amount of money. I can guarantee you they weren't throwing that money not to get any return on it. Right, but there, but there, ought, to, there ought to be, ought to be, I guess I'm, I guess I'm showing where we came from. You would think there might be a very legitimate, if you're the head of Illinois and you say, look, 30 years ago, you couldn't become a, what do they call the mathematicians for the uh, insurance companies? Uh, Actuary? Yeah. There, there was no actuary school in China. We allowed some of their people to join the actuary school. There was no upper mathematics for this. There was nothing for this. There was no real law school in China. We let some people. So nobody else would let them in. We did, and over a period of time, these people went back, and now they have a school over there that kind of were educated here. And in gratitude, China built us a new gymnasium or some crap. I mean, th- th- you would think there might be a story like that instead of, right. you know, but, but maybe there isn't. A doubt, professorship, yeah. Yeah. A, you know, a building, a library, yeah. wing, something that was identifiable bricks and mortars to a gift or you know, an endowment set up to maintain it, whatever. But it's but it's much more insidious than that, Tom. Yeah, and, it and seems it, like it. As, as was shown the other day, it, it, it comes now, you know, I, I would I would differ somewhat with what, you know, when you and Lou were talking about the performance by those three presidents the other day, I don't think it was slapdash or ill-conceived. I think it was very carefully planned ahead of time and nuanced to all sing the same song and to be careful of what they said because they're all under the same controls now. They've, they've got, in some cases, you know, significantly declining. I'm with you on that one, John. Yeah, Greg, Greg, Greg's with you on that. I think Kenny was, too. But how, how, there's no way. There's no way people in that kind of a forum, with so many people watching, so many ways that's going to be quoted and selectively quoted to make them look like complete idiots, um, wouldn't have decided ahead of time. This is what we're going to do, and why they're doing it. You know, you can I can speculate on it. I have my own theories about it, but it isn't like it was just thrown together at the last minute, or they woke up and you know, forgot about the fact we're going to be testifying today. They knew exactly what they were saying. By the way, it's the first time in a while I've been accused of not being conspiratorial enough. <laughs> You've been hanging around me so many years. <laughs> I mean, now you're saying my, my, my worst dreams are telling how these people acted. You're saying it's not even not even near as bad as it really is. I'm going, that just swell. <laughs> God. I'll, I'll tell you, Tom, uh, there's, there's one person I think who, you know, if, if assuming he listened to this, which I'm sure he did, that what those three presidents were saying was just music to his ears, and that's Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah. I don't... Uh... And this, this, this would prove his point when it comes to any kind of, you know, demand in Congress for more money to, to support this war. We've, we've run out of gas with Zelensky. People are so off of, of him now that he's become almost toxic. He, he canceled his appearance at Congress this week, and I'm, I'm sure he realized that he'd probably be, you know, thrown out of the place. I think it's all just people are, people are just, they're, they're, they've, they've moved on. They're, they're tired of it. It's very similar to the Afghan war. I mean, if, God help you, if you're, if you're, if your kid got killed over there in the last month of the war, and the people, neighbors, would say, "What war?" You know, no, it would be, it yeah, was, this is, this is, you know, they've decided. This is one of the reasons why you know, I objected so strongly to our getting involved the way we did because I, I feared it would end up this way where it, our our fatigue would you know kick in sooner than the fatigue of, of you know Ukrainians they have to deal with it somehow or another we can 
you know, do all the blustering and throwing of money for a while until we get sick of it and we can't sell that pony anymore. And that's kind of where we are now. But but I think, you know, we're just getting started when it comes to demands for supporting uh, the continuation of the war with Hamas. And the, the appearances the other day of those three presidents was just almost scripted to make this a slam dunk for Congress the next time an appropriation. Well, you, you, can't be, you can't be sitting with... The world has said, and I certainly agree... Israel is a, is a real country and doesn't have to be under attack every day. I mean, and yet, you know, Kevin just, that the three three guys that run Hamas are sitting in Qatar with $11 billion. Well, I, it, it, with, with, the, with the intention of causing trouble to the day they die, right? I mean, so the, yep. those are not, you, know, you can't, that's not something that's sustainable, I don't think, do you? I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't get it. But I mean, of course, you have a lot of people who think, that the that the Palestinians are the underdog, and there's people who just do that, and and Israel has been, in my opinion, has been less than. Although not anybody else really wants to help people in Gaza either, uh, they've been. A, maybe they could have been a little more attentive through the years at at seeing these other areas do better. There, should, there could have been a separate state, but economically, separate state doesn't do much for you. What do you? What are you, is there going to be industry over there? Are people be allowed to work in Israel all the time? And there's there's all kinds of, of issues that if you have people that on the other side of the of the border and you let everybody into work, there's always a danger of letting the wrong people in uh, because some people are that's the way they feel that there shouldn't be any Jewish people there and they should all be gone or dead or something. So I mean, it's an incredibly complex situation, right? And you know we're not. You, know, you can't expect any kind of reasonable proposals for a long-term fix to come out of a situation when everybody's firing missiles at each other, either. So. Well, and I was at. I've actually gone to a, a couple of APEC meetings, believe it or not, uh, because uh, one of my friends, uh, African American gentleman, would buy a table, and of course, I was the. Uh, you know, I, I was. I was the basically the. A couple of couple of us went. We were the two honkies at the table, basically. You know, and I, I tell you what, you know, whenever you go to one of these things, you, if you open your mind, you'll learn a lot. Because they, they bring, APEC is the American-Israeli Political Action Committee. And they work really hard at making sure that everybody's at least aware of the situation over there. And if you become a uh, freshman congressperson, somewhere in your first two years, I think they invite you to go to Israel. And, and everybody... Camp comes back, and two or three of these people just went. A couple of guys and a lady. They both talked. And they didn't get. They didn't give out whether or not they were any more or less pro-Israel or not. But every one of them said the same thing. They said, you know, living in Chicago or Illinois, where you're all the way to the coast, and oh by the way, you got an ocean between you and the next enemy. He said, you go over there, and they take you up on you know it's high point in the area. And you go, there they are, right there. And give you binoculars, and you can see like little rocket guns. He goes, the the difficulty in defending yourself, whether you're not your plus or minus on the you know whether Israeli or not, he says is really something. It's not. It's a totally different world than here, where those are the bad guys, and if everybody decides they don't like us, they lob something like tomorrow morning. We don't feel that way here. Well, maybe you do in Chicago, but uh, I'm saying it, it, it is different. John, and you know, I mean, and the more you, I, I, you know, to take a more cynical viewpoint, I think Israel has 
you know, played into keeping it as hair trigger as possible. I, I, the, the, you know, the story about the two professors in New York and investigating the short, you know, trades that you you were talking about earlier um, and yesterday as well with Kevin. Um, there, there are factions in, in Israel who were dying to have something like this happen to re-energize, um, you know, the visibility of what they're trying to accomplish long term over there, which I don't think we have. Maybe we, somebody in Washington knows exactly what those long term plans are, but you know, I don't know exactly what they are. But I don't think they're going to be able to get money and armaments from us unless, you know, this turns into some kind of hair trigger situation where everybody's on tenderhooks about it. And the attack by Hamas on October 7th started this ball rolling. And I'm sure there were lots of factions in Israel who were glad to see it happen. Well, just because. You, you may be young, okay, which is, by the way, good for you. You're young. Yeah, uh, yeah good for you. Uh, you. You may be young and you may be dumb, maybe and maybe not dumb, but you, you still have an obligation to have somewhat of a, a sense of history. I mean, you can, be, you can be totally upset with the Middle East stuff. You may not want to give them any money, but it goes back to, well, it goes back a bazillion years. I mean, I have, I have a book at home uh, John Lee bought me. It was had... America's influence in the Middle East, and it basically started the day the first oil well was was found over there. And we've been all over the place, and again, this is not a an exercise in you know self-flagellation on being an American, but this this whole idea of Lebanon's a bleep hole, Syria I can't even describe. Uh, you know, the only place that somehow keeps it together, the guy who's got to be the best leader on earth is this guy who runs Jordan. Somehow he keeps the place together. I mean, I, how he does, I have no idea, but he does. I don't know if he's a good guy, bad guy, but they, uh, it's whatever he's doing. And and now Iraq is another disaster, and it goes back to Colin Powell telling Bush, "You break it, you own it." So it's not like we can just say, "Ah, we're tired of this place. No more money. No more this. No more that." We were, we we've, we've been a part of breaking it many many times, John. I think you know I'm not. And again, it's not like I want to start you know putting a sledgehammer on my foot. To just to you know to feel the pain of this, but I also know that if if Iraq Saddam Hussein was a really bad person, but he was probably the closest guy we had over there to his. He wasn't an ally by any stretch, but he was the 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 backdrop against probably our real enemy, which was Iran. Right. I mean, it, and yet we man- we wrecked the place, and I don't know what. What caused Syria to go down? I don't think we did that. But, I mean, Israel now is surrounded by God knows what. Chaos would be the, the lack of a better term. I mean, what are we going to do? We, if we decide we're not going to back Israel, even if you can't stand the place, militarily or... or oh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm what not calling for, for that. But, but we, we, we bought all this, you know, 50, 100 years ago by, by buying into the division of territories there. And we're the ones, you know, that Israel's going to look to to fund whatever projects they have, whether it's... They are our know, best. They could be, our, other than maybe Britain, they're probably our best ally. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to, like, rethink what best ally means. Well, I mean, they definitely are our ally our, in the Middle East. Our interest, I don't think our interests are, are often furthered by what Israel wishes to undertake. I think I, they know they I, can depend on I us. Did, didn't say they were a perfect ally, but I'm saying... Yeah, they, if they, you, don't, they don't consider our interests in a lot of what they do, Tom. Okay, but what, what, is, what is our spot in the Middle East if those guys are gone? 
I, well, I don't know. I don't think we're likely to see that. Right, yeah, I hope not. We'll, 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 we'll stick with, with Israel long before, you know, long after we... We've got Israel, and to a certain extent we've got Egypt, and maybe Qatar and a couple other places, as long as the money's okay for them. I mean, I was, I was looking yesterday at the amount of holdings in U.S. treasuries. They still don't identify that Saudi Arabia owns it. Their line is other. The deal we made, what, in 19... Was it 73? The Arab oil embargo? They, they would they would start selling us oil again if... if uh, and we said, okay, but you... Your excess money, you got to invest in U.S. treasuries, and by the way, we won't let anybody know how much you got over here. It comes out of a separate auction, and nobody ever knows their number. That, w- that was how many years ago? 50 years ago. We, we still got to deal with them? We, don't, we, we know how much China owns, how much Japan owns, how much everybody else, but not them? We, I mean, the government owns, they just won't tell us, which is right. weird. Well, we don't. We're not supposed to know. That's yeah, we're not supposed to know. What, what if we did know? What are we, what are we going to do supposed, about it? We're not supposed to care, Tom, but how can you not think that a lot of, of all of what's happening geopolitically here is because of these things that we're never told about, because of who's got right. a financial stake and who's, whose coupon is about to be clipped or whatever else, that, that we, we, we would be appalled to, to see it reduced to that level. But I, I, that's what it is, and we just can't We'd be a lot more cynical than we are if we knew the extent to which this is well, governed. The, the by Brits came out with a. No the Brits are a little more self, uh, shall we say, judging than we are, <laughs> in a, or at least on a, on a governmental level. They came out. Oh, yeah, they were less reckless, I think, than we are. When it comes well, they to came out. And there was there was some kind of study. You or Greg can find this, but the study about the the history of essentially the Iraq War and how. And, and what were the, the pluses and minuses and mistakes that were made? And they basically roasted our neocons and said, they're, like, they're never going to follow us again down a road like that because of, you know, the weapons of mass destruction and all this stuff and blah, 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 where they couldn't find any. And, and that uh, they said every time they tried to get Rumsfeld and Cheney to focus in on what the place was going to look like after we took it down, they never had, a, they never had an answer. And yet, they spent all kinds of time trying to figure out who was going to get the oil, what companies. Which doesn't surprise me in the least. And how the hell can yeah. you have how, how can you have people run the country like that? Well, running it. Uh, I mean, now they're you know advisors of the State Department, people like the Vindmans, you know, Victoria Newland, Robert Kagan, all these people who are still getting all sorts of airplay and. You know, pages devoted to their ideas in the Washington Post, who who have never gone away, and have never been you know called on the carpet for the idiotic policies that were sold to people or the families whose sons and daughters were killed in fulfilling them. So I I'm just you know this this whole shadow state that it doesn't matter who's really in the White House, it doesn't matter who's in Congress with the upper hand. These people are still controlling the narrative. And deciding, you know, without being very upfront about it, just where well, that's, our energies and you know. I don't think even though I've tried on about eight occasions this week um, to give my thoughts on that Stockman article, I keep bringing it up. The thing that absolutely I can't—it's it, so mind-boggling, John. I can't even. He basically says, and I, and I've seen it in the numbers, but I didn't formulate as much as he did. That since two thousand. There has been an economic policy here that has been relentless through every president, and, it, and, it, and it's a it's a uh, policy that's the right that's designed to totally separate 
the haves and the have-nots. Right. I mean, the Stockman article, which, um, I mean, he's he started out as Reagan's point person for supply-side economics and and lived to kind of, you know, repent somewhat. I thought he was um, I thought he was a Clinton's uh, guy, too. He was, was, he was Reagan's guy. Okay, wasn't I, I thought he was on Clinton's economic advisor. I mean, he, he, he did it. Clinton, I think, did have him, you know, as an advisor. And he, he has become sort of a, an elder statesman type, which I didn't really foresee because I thought he was one of the most, you know, the ideologically driven of all the people Reagan had around him. Well, he was, he, my, he, was my, he was my worst guest ever. He was on the show. Yeah. But, I mean, what he says, as you've said, too, the, the picture he paints is far worse than you or I suspected it was. <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought I was all over being a conspirator there, and I'm not even close. Yeah, well, so yeah, yeah, like, I'm, I'm with you on you know that. I mean, the, the, it's, this is that's all by design. That is not just you know sl- slapdash policy or oh, oops, we didn't mean to do that. Of course, they meant to do that. But this who's but who's, who's they? The they's used to be the cabinets and the lodges. Who are they now? Well, I don't, I don't think it's people in Washington. I don't know where they're they're situated, but again, you know, they're they're not just doing it in this country. They're doing it any place they can get. Right. I mean, it's it's a worldwide thing. That's why All we don't. That's, well, that's why we don't notice it. That's why when somebody says, "Look at the dollar," or "Look at the the, the dollar value," people will say, "Well, yeah. What's the difference? It hasn't gone up or down versus the euro or the yen." And you got to go. Wait a minute. They're all in it together. It's it's. You're right. It's a worldwide thing. And who, right. I mean, if you listen to the pronouncements by the World Economic Forum or even God help us, Pope Francis, you would think that these people have ideologically separated themselves from what we think of as our ability to, to run our own show, and our, we, we become, you know, the, the victim of pot shots by these people. But, Jan, who's been around? we got a dash here, but who's been around? You can't blame this on, I mean, a lot of the, the stuff lately. I mean, you might you might point a finger at Bill Gates or somebody, but none of these, the guys that are really got all the dough now were around in 2000, to that extent. I mean, the same... This, the same quote people, you, I mean, a guy like Greg's age might say, well, these are the people that are pushing the government around, they get all the money. They weren't the people that had all the money in 2000. I mean, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I think I'm, it was people like David Rockefeller, you know, going a little farther back, um, the DuPonts and, and other families that were... You think they're still well, they're still involved? Oh, yeah. I mean, really, I mean still I, Rockefeller someday. Well, I know, but I'm saying it, I, I, they, they seem like the... The kids get their money and they're not, and they don't care about anything. He's got the dough. Right. Well, and they're of course, you know, they have their their own ideologies or founding principles, you know, guiding lights for what they do. But I think they've become completely separated from the idea that you know there there should be national boundaries, there should be morality in government. These things are just anathema to these places. They don't uh, respect national identities or, or ethnicities. You know, everything has to become polyglot. And throw together and warring, you know. So you're, we got a dash here. You, you, you and Greg now both accuse me. So did Lou of not being conspiratorial <laughs> enough. This Greg, is a this is a new law. Greg, Greg and I will have to like attack your football <laughs> flanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care of yourself. But maybe you know, maybe it might see you one of these days, huh? SP Futures I up, four, so, up fourteen. NASDAQ Futures down ninety. Up ninety six. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. 
Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.